Okay, warriors, you are listening to Unqualified Therapists. Remember, stay wild and weird. Hey, warriors, this is Amy. And I'm Sarah. We started this podcast because mental health is complicated and the stigma surrounding it can make us feel alone. So we are here to share authentic stories in order to normalize and prioritize mental health. We believe in professional therapy. We both use it on our own healing journeys, but we also know it isn't one size fits all. So we are here to provide tools from our own experiences, as well as those from our guests and professionals that come on the show. Thank you for being here as we navigate the complexities of mental health and mental illness together. Remember, hold on warriors, we're gonna make it. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of The Unqualified Therapist. We are back this week for Mental Health Awareness Month talking to trauma therapist Heather from Compass Counseling in Pittsburgh here. So all of our local listeners, you can check them out online. And um, we asked ahead of time because we know that this is going to be a question that you will all ask. Uh, They do have some openings because they are hiring new therapists as they go along. So... We are so excited to talk to Heather today and try to debunk some myths and some things that make people scared to go to therapy, which I didn't, Amy and I were talking about, didn't even know that was like still a thing. So here we are. (laughs) I mean, I'm like still of the mind that like, if I talk to you and you tell me you don't go to therapy, like, I don't really want to be your friend. So... (laughs) What do you mean you don't go to therapy? I don't understand. Like, give me a list of how you're working on yourself then. I need to know (laughs) your credentials. So, yeah, it's hard for me to believe, but it seems that there is still a stigma around it. Yeah, but no, there definitely definitely is. It's unfortunate. It's strange. It is strange to me also since it's what I like live and breathe. But um, there are a lot of people that still have opinions and incorrect assumptions about what therapy is and yeah people that are just afraid to try it out I really don't know like I wonder what people are nervous about that's a good question to ask our audience let us know what are you nervous about what scares you about therapy we'll do a poll before this comes out and then we'll have those answers and we'll have already recorded this and it'll be too late so you'll have to look on on Instagram So do you have people who are like hesitant or have you talked to like people outside of your practice and your real life? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just, I just had a friend recently that was talking about asking me questions about therapy because people are curious, even if they're not totally for it, they're just curious about it. Like, am I constantly walking through the grocery store, psychoanalyzing people? The answer is no. <laughs> when I'm not at work and I'm getting my groceries for my family, I'm not thinking about what other people's traumas are um but people are very curious when they haven't done it and so I recently had somebody ask me like like say that they wouldn't go to therapy because they were afraid they'd be um attacked I was like what attacked how how would you be attacked I'm I'm interested now 
And he said that he just thought that therapy was just somebody just constantly like bombarding you with questions, just question after question until you like cracked, until you broke. I'm like, yeah, no, that's, that's not what I do. I mean, maybe there's people out there that really like interview and interrogate and put a spotlight on you, but that's tip. If you're, if that's what your therapist is doing, you should probably think about a different option yes. as a therapist. Um, Cause that's not what therapy is. It's not what it is at all. Yeah, my therapist probably feels a little attacked by me with um, how much I talk, <laughs> how many questions I ask. So <laughs> instead of the other way around, that's that's wild to me to even think about. Yeah, I mean, the idea is that it should be a safe, supportive environment where you feel like you can talk about what you need to talk about. Even if you're surprised by what comes out, I often have people at the end of a first session or even like a 50th session be like, Oh, I can't believe I just said all that. <laughs> can't believe I just told you all that stuff. And I didn't have to very ask very much at all because people just feel safe and supported and feel like this is a, being in a therapy office kind of lends itself to feel like you can open up a little bit. I always think of it as like a third party who's outside of my life. And so there's like literally no way for there to be judgment. I can say all the things. And so I yeah. feel like that's sometimes people don't think about it that way. Like you need, you get this outside perspective as well. Yeah. And you're not going to see me at Thanksgiving or at, you know, at work or, you know, in the bathroom, get ready for bed. Like it's like, I'm not, you're not going to see me yeah. and have to interact with me um, in those kind of uh, other environments. So it is non, should be non-judgmental and, um, a place to kind of get a yeah third perspective third party perspective so can you just kind of let our listeners know like what would a first session look like for someone typically when you're coming in it, it depends on someone on the practice but typically when you're coming in the first session is i would say arguably one of the hardest because you it is a session where you're going to be asked some questions and as the therapist we're just trying to get a, a a big picture we're trying to get a picture and look at all the different angles um and be curious about why you're coming in, what you're hoping to get out of it, and kind of what the other factors in your life are. You know, who do you live with? Um, what kind of family history of mental health um, diagnoses are there? What kind of um, work do you do? Like those kinds of basic, basically try to get to know you. Um, and it kind of goes at your pace. So if there's somebody that comes in and they're just not ready to open up and they just want to have coffee and chat, like, we can do that. Um, we can, our assessments aren't a constant question after another question. Oftentimes we ask a question that opens up, you know, what was it like, you know, growing up in your family? You can get a lot of information out of that. It's not an attacking question, but we hear and we can pull out the information that we need to help us make our assessments. That seems like so. a simple enough, like not very intimidating question to deal with at first. So... That's great. For some people, it's, I've needed to come for a long time and I just finally decided to like prioritize myself and they come in and often I, I say like one sentence, I say like, you know, what brought you in? And it's 55 minutes of them kind of telling me what, what brought them in. And that's great. And then there are some people that are like, I don't know, somebody told me I should probably talk to some, <laughs> somebody. And then it's a little bit more like asking questions and kind of figuring out what the best approach is. Um, but yeah, if there's ever anything that a therapist asks you that you're not comfortable with, you should feel com you should feel okay saying, you know, I'm not ready to talk about that yet. And they can just move on. 
That's really good to know. I think that that might be something that you would think like, well, I'm here for a reason. I should probably just answer that question. But it's good to know that you have the option to say, like, I'm not ready to talk about that just yet. I, th- I know that that sounds like maybe for you, you're like, well, yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, I don't know that I would think about that in the moment. I think I would probably think that I want to utilize the, the time. They're the professional. Yeah. So I should say what they're asking, like answer Even if what I'm they're uncomfortable. asking. Yeah. Yeah. It's your, it's your time. When you come in for therapy, it's your time. It's your 45 minutes, hour, whatever length of time it is. Mm-hmm. But that's your time to use for what you need it for. And the therapist can guide you and help you and, and give you directions. But if there's a path that you're not ready to go down, you certainly don't have to be dragged down <laughs> by your therapist. <laughs> cause more trauma on top of trauma (laughs) it just makes me think though um like as a yoga teacher i say that at the beginning of every single class i'm like this is your hour so i'm just here to guide you and if you want to take child's pose this entire hour then you go for it if i do down dog and you don't want to do down dog you don't so that's just like a i don't know it just totally changed shifted my perspective i guess on that time in that hour Yeah, i mean can you imagine as a yoga teacher like going up and being like you have to tree posed right now or you're out you're <laughs> out <laughs> out of here get that leg up <laughs> you're offering suggestions yeah. right? right you're guiding them yeah. but it's not a mandate yeah huh. so do you feel like um lots of therapists are different in their practice and how they you know formulate a plan or how they're going to go about different sessions with people or do you feel like many are similar I've always personally wanted um, to know that, even though I've had 18 of them, so I know quite a bit. <laughs> I think it's a lot of, it's, it's both, right? So like, I think the framework of therapy is probably similar from therapist to therapist. You might find that your first two to three sessions feel similar, <clears throat> regardless of what therapist you're going to. Um, but what's cool about therapy, what's fun about being a therapist is that as you practice and as you um learn more and and do it more you you're allowed to bring your personality into it and you get different trainings and you bring that those approaches and so it's not just a one it's not just one approach so there's a variety of different so it's finding what fits for you um therapists that have generally been in practice for a longer time will will kind of pull in a variety of different approaches at least that's what i do um but personality is a big part of your match with your therapist there's a, you know an importance in matching personality wise as well as is this person gonna be able to help me but also do our personalities match that's a whole big part of the shopping and that's a kind of what i call it because it's you know even though it's hard to find a therapist it's important to find the right one otherwise the work is so much harder because you're like i don't know the dialogue in my head <laughs> with some therapists i'm like I'm just going to say what you need me to say to get out of here. Or I'm going to be like, I bet you I can guess what you're going to say next. Or I don't know, whatever it is. (laughs) But like those, those are the things that happen. And it's a waste of my time and their time. If I'm like, not like vibing with them. Like if they're not cool with me dropping an F-bomb, I should not be in their office. Right. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's like dating, you know, like when you go on a first date with somebody and you're just like, yeah, this is not going to work out or okay. Yeah. This is we're, we're vibing. (laughs) 
I just she's gonna Amy's gonna roll her eyes at me because I watched Frasier but um there's an episode of Frasier where he goes back into private practice and he's like seeing all these patients and the first you know one of them comes in and he starts he's saying the same spiel for like every single one of them and he says it and the guy just goes yeah this isn't gonna work out and he stands up and walks out <laughs> it's just like yeah that seems about right I just think that we don't realize that that's an option like you can do that and I don't know about you will you take offense are you gonna be like oh I can't believe that person did that or have you like are you cool with somebody just being like you know what this isn't a fit I mean I've never had anybody like walk out in the middle of session but I would I mean I would be interested in (laughs) if that happened I mean I'd be curious about um that but no I like I think that it's it's important to find the right fit and I don't certainly don't proclaim to be like the right fit for every person um and for some people they feel more comfortable opening up to um a different age or a different gender or a different like just you know somebody who's had different life experiences and so those things all play a factor and so yeah it would not be offensive if someone like said you know what we've tried come to three sessions and it just doesn't seem like the right fit I just think I'm gonna look somewhere else and if someone said that and was honest about that I would probably help them find what yeah what was a better fit mm-hmm. if I could you know I say that because the people pleaser in me and I think that there are other people that are similar that would think like all right well I'm here so this is it I've got to stay I've got to stick around no matter how I feel if I'm not even you know if I don't feel comfortable I still have to stay I think probably finishing one to two sessions oh, for sure is a good idea and then making a choice but I, I do want to like now make a dramatic exit just for fun. Just for funsies. <laughs> <laughs> I've had it. This I'm is out. Terrible. <laughs> Bye. Just can't do this today. I'm out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Oh, I have a question. This is now off topic. But have you ever had anyone just sit there and stare the whole time and not say anything to you? I mean, not say nothing. But I yes, I have had definitely had pulling teeth sessions where it's like, you know, like try, try to like nonchalantly glance at my watch. I'm like, oh, it's only been seven minutes. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Oh my gosh. We're asking these questions so that the, all the types of people can feel comfortable going to a session. It's going to be we, okay. We know no that you what. out there are all wondering yes. these things. So we're just going to yeah. do it for you. <laughs> and if you come in and you have nothing to say, just own it. Be like, I'm here and I want to be here. I just, I don't really know where to start. Okay, that's fine. We'll figure it out. Listen, I, I mean, I've worked with kids. I've worked with adolescents. I've worked with adults. And like, sometimes like, playing a game of you know go fish helps to get the mm. the words flowing a little bit more than you know or you know finding another way another approach rather than because some people do find it intimidating to just sit like across from somebody and have them like ask questions and and wonder about things that they haven't talked to anybody about and so starting off it can just it starting off it really is just about building the relationship mm-hmm. you know it's not starting off the first session and you know, talking about the the most difficult pieces. It's starting off and just like, hey, let's see if we fit. Let's see if the things that you're looking for are the things that I can offer. And so sometimes that means doing something other than just sitting and talking. Accessing those other parts of the brain can be helpful. Yeah. So, okay. So just for people who don't know, so do you start off with like just talk therapy where it's like 
literally like having conversations and then where does it go from there if like there's things to dig into deeper that's a good question so i think the the first step is the assessment those initial couple of sessions and usually i also tell people that an assessment isn't just gonna typically gonna happen in one session and the assessment is really over at least a couple of appointments especially if somebody's really nervous because it it'll take them a little bit of time to kind of for me to really get an idea of what's going on um and so the start is like an assessment like what's going on what are you looking for and then it's you know again so some therapists have one approach and that's what they use and so that's what if you're seeing them that's what you're going to get and then some therapists a lot of therapists are kind of like hey i can pull from the different things that i've learned and um here's what i can offer here's what we can start with this and then we can move to this um you know if there's so if there's trauma we can look at you know doing something specific to trauma if there's you know if you've never been to therapy before we can start with just like you know coping skills and mindfulness and you know learning i mean learning how to breathe i know that sounds silly but like for some people it's yeah. um you know people are surprised when i say whenever you cry whenever people cry they tend to hold their breath and you should really like remember to breathe when you cry it's just helps your helps your body kind of work through that emotion but we forget and we hold our breath when we're scared when we're nervous when we cry and hold our breath so teaching people how to breathe can be a beginning of starting off like nothing off point. that's huge i find myself having to tell myself take a breath breathe i have to do it with my kids all the time too you know when they get all worked up it's like okay let's find your breath let's breathe <laughs> yeah. deep breath and right just doing that with them helps as well like taking that deep breath and then they see it and they're like oh yes okay I need to take a deep breath as well can you help some of us understand because there's when you're looking for a therapist it can be intimidating because there's all these letters that happen so it's like CBT and DBT and EMDR and all of these things that come up and I think some people are like I don't even know what any of that means so I give up (laughs) I know that was like a lot yeah. of letters to throw at you to explain, but um... <laughs> yeah, no, I'm laughing because it, it is funny that therapists use so many acronyms. There's letters for everything, and I don't think most people know what they all are because they're, you know, they're new jargon to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what are you? Was your question? What are they? What are? Yeah, they? if you could just, I think mean? the most, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like the most common ones that I see out there are CBT, DBT, and EMDR. Those are the probably ones that you'll hear most often. I mean, there are definitely plenty of other modalities, um, but those are the ones that you'll hear people say that they've been like trained in or that they have experience in. Um, those are specific and they're evidence-based approaches. So that also helps people to be interested in them. So CBT is cognitive behavior therapy. It's a lot of co- learning coping skills um, and it helps people to link, you know, how you think with what you feel and how you act and reframing you know reframing the way you think helps to shift how you feel and might shift how you act so it helps you helps you work through whatever you're dealing with helps you figure out a way that better way to handle stress or anxiety or depression dbt is dialectical behavior therapy so dbt really focuses a lot on emotions and um, like managing emotions and relationships you know how we relate to other people and then EMDR is um, a trauma specifically designed for trauma, th- for trauma therapy or 
um, PTSD, but also can be used for anxiety, depression, self-esteem, obsessive thinking, and that's eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing. So yeah, those are three very common ones. And like I said, there's there's probably every week there's a new <laughs> um, therapy approach that yeah. kind of pops up. So it's just kind of finding the ones that fit for you. Do you use DBT and CBT for certain diagnoses? Is that something you decide as a therapist when you're in session with someone, what approach you're going to use? Or is that like you're trained in this one thing, so that's how you approach your therapy sessions with everyone? Some people really decide to focus in on one thing, one type of therapy. And some people pull from different approaches, have more like an eclectic style. That's how I practice. I don't have just one approach, so I kind of infuse the different pieces um, from different things, from different mo- different um, theories or different modalities that I have have liked things that are some people really like a very manualized treatment like here's your homework here's what mm-hmm. we're going to do here's here's how each session can be laid out and then some people prefer something that's a little bit more um can change and can be like you know what i just need to talk about this today and like we just go with it so it just depends on depends on the, a lot on the therapist some feel and you'll find out very quickly and you can ask somebody if they're you know very manualized or very you know, one approach kind of therapist, or if they pull from different styles and have more of an eclectic style of therapy. Can we dig into EMDR for trauma? I just remember thinking in the beginning that someone was going to like, I thought all sorts of weird things about it. I, if I told you the things I imagined it to be before <laughs> I experienced it, you all would laugh, but I'm sure people are listeners out there are thinking the same thing. Like, are they going to like touch my, like, are they going to be close to my eyeballs? Am I going to follow <laughs> like a, um, I don't know, you know, what's that thing that a hypnotist uses? <laughs> yeah, hypnot- well, that's the most common thing that people think it's like, you know, modern day hypnotism. Yeah. And, like, it's not, it's, I mean, it, I can see why people would think that, but it's, it's not, <laughs> I'm not hypnotizing anybody. You're still fully conscious the entire time you're here. But yeah, it's, so what is it? So EMDR is basically the easiest way to describe it is that it is, um, so when you sleep, if you've heard of REM sleep, rapid eye movement. So when we sleep, our body, our body is physically resting, but also our brain is resting. And part of what our brain is doing is it's processing the events and the situations um, of the day or of the week. You know, so it's it's using that time to sort, organize, and store our different um, it, our, the different situations or the different things that happen to us. Um, and so what it does is it takes that REM sleep that like, so if you look at somebody who's asleep and they're in REM sleep, you'll actually under their eyelids, you'll see their eyes kind of like darting back and forth um, because that's what your brain is using, uses that eye movement to process through the events of the day. That's why when you're not getting good sleep, we often feel like foggy and just kind of mm-hmm. our bodies and our brains just aren't like functioning at their full capacity because we haven't given our brains the time to sort process and reorganize wow. all the things that have happened that is right? so cool so, yeah <laughs> that is very cool yeah yeah our brain is like the most to me our brain is like one of the most fascinating filing systems you can think of like i almost picture like this little like so this filing system full of like 
you know, file cabinets. And then there's this little like worker in there that's just all night. It's just like, where does this go? Where does this go? And like, unfortunately for me, oftentimes they seem to like misplace the things that I really need to remember <laughs> and like hold on to the things that I don't, but that's a different yeah. story. Um, so yeah. So what we do is we take with, with EMDR, we take that REM sleep, that idea of like the, um, rapid eye movement or what we call bilateral stimulation and we take it into like the daytime and into a therapy session and we use it to um, help to help a, an overwhelmed nervous system to reprocess events in a different way. So it's like if you have a Word document, if you're working on your computer and you type something up and you want to go back in and you want to um, modify it, you want to kind of change it, revise it, and then save save as. That's what EMDR does, is it allows you to go in and take an old memory or an old event or situation, and it allows you to like kind of rewrite how you remember it. It doesn't change the original version, but it rewrites how you remember it and um, can really help to soothe your nervous system. When we, get, when we go through trauma or when we go through ev- certain events, our nervous system gets overwhelmed, and an overwhelmed nervous system can't do its job and it can't reprocess it just gets kind of it gets stuck you know so i've heard someone say once that it's like emdr is like an antacid for the nervous system (laughs) it just helps it to like process things a little bit better um, and get things like moving a little bit (laughs) a little bit better again when we've like overwhelmed our system the couple of sessions that i did with emdr i feel like it's like fast forwarding therapy you know, like where you're able to kind of not speed through, but like really process things um, and heal a lot more quickly, I guess, than traditional talk therapy. But you need like the the hybrid of all those things, using all of the tools that you have available to you and incorporating EMDR into it. I just feel like majorly helps. Like you said, it's not changing the memory. It changes the way you feel about the memory, I guess, and react to it. It was very helpful for me. And I equate it to, yeah. I've talked about on here a lot, the the psilocybin therapy that I did. I equate yeah. those things two together because I feel like they are very similar in the, in the things that they can do for your brain, you know, just different ways of approaching it and ways of going about it. I think that it just really helps your mind, like you said, like you're just like, okay, I don't feel so reactive to that. I don't have those like physical symptoms and reactions to this memory anymore like I used to. I feel like I could have talked for a million hours and never, ever like felt differently about it. So sometimes like for me, that particular doing EMDR was the only way to get past that situation. And that is one of the things that I think that like for me is why I feel like it was so great. Now, I hated it. Not going to (laughs) lie. And... Would rather never do it again, but will because, you know, when when it's necessary and and not all of everybody feels that way. I'm just telling you my experience, but you have to relive it to repurpose it, to refocus it, to refill it in a different way. So, you know, you're you got to go in like you got to jump in there. And I mean, I would just suggest to everyone to do it, to jump in, even though it sucks. It's like a cold pool, but it's like so good for you Mm -hmm. because I just, I don't know how to explain, but I could never have felt differently about this one situation and I needed to. And I, I just, and now I don't remember it any other way. Like my brain knows. 
how it was, but my body doesn't have that reaction, Mm -hmm. that physical reaction that I once had. Yeah, I, I say that it's like, it's placing the memory on the timeline. It's not, we can't erase it. Our brains don't work that way. Um, that's why we like remember like you can smell something and all of a sudden be transported back 25 years ago to like your grandma's kitchen or something like that you know there's everything's still up in there but what we do is we place it on the timeline so it's just it's there and we don't have that same reaction to it that gets us stuck we're not stuck on it anymore it's just there it's part of the story Yeah, that's a really, yes, that's a great point too, because it's like you can get stuck on those loops of it where it just like, it's all consuming. And so taking you off of that merry-go-round of trauma, (laughs) that's the worst ride ever. (laughs) Well, it takes, it takes that like really big emotion out of it. So like, I can almost look at it as an observer and a spectator who could like tell the story without feeling the way it felt at that moment. I can say, well, I felt this way, but I'm not feeling it right Um, now. Yeah. Is it common for other people to feel like this blows when they're doing it? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's hard. It's like, if you get a really bad, like deep cut, right. And you should probably get like stitches, but you don't, you just put a bandaid on it and that's okay for a while, but then it gets infected. And so then you like squirt some hydrogen peroxide in it and you put another bandaid on it. And eventually if you don't heal it from the inside and go way down there and that's going to freaking hurt and it's going to it's going to suck. But like that's the only way to really heal it and to get it to close up and for your body to to heal before the infection starts like going all over the place. You know, you want to get it from the from the bottom. You want to heal it from the inside out. And that's what EMDR does. It's more than just a band-aid. It's more than just a coping skill. It's a, hey, let's look at how this memory was stored because it was stored in a way that has caused you stress and all these symptoms and to not be able to move forward with certain aspects of your life. So let's get it unstuck. You know, let's just figure out, let's go in there. Like you said, let's go in there and let's heal from the inside out and the the beautiful thing about EMDR is that yes it sucks and it always is going to be hard to revisit the old stuff but one of the parts of EMDR it's not just like you sit down and we just immediately like go at the trauma you know we kind of do a kind of assess for your fitness we want to see how what coping strategies do you already have what's working for you what's not working for you what's your sleep hygiene like what do you what are your support systems like and then we add to those we look at what you have and then we add to them and we have specific um tools that we use to kind of help prepare your system and prepare you to go dive into that so you're not like doing a session reprocessing a terrible event and then we're like okay time's up that's (laughs) it like we're done you know we try to pack it back up and try to help you to have the tools to be able to move throughout the rest of your your day and similar to another workout session it's like drink water get rest, take care of yourself because it is, it's hard. It's Mm -hmm. not easy. So what is the actual process? What do you do when you conduct an EMDR therapy session? EMDR is technically broken up into eight phases. The first couple are kind of, you know, not things that most people need to know about. That's more for the therapist, just like the assessment piece of it and making sure that the person is the right fit for EMDR. So that's, that's the beginning part of it. But the more, the most important phases are number one is the prep phase, right? So that's where we're going to, like I said, we're going to get your body ready. We're going to do like a you know, we're going to put on the Rocky music and we're going to get you ready for EMDR. We're going to make sure you have all the right tools and coping strategies um, to get through it. So that's the first part of it. And for some people who have a lot of 
um, resources and have already been so someone who's been doing has done therapy for five years and has developed those kind of grounding strategies and um, coping strategies with another therapist might it might go a little bit faster and for some people it takes time but it's that's all right also okay when you get into the processing which I think is what you're asking about is the processing part of EMDR is we start with kind of figure out what are the negative thoughts and emotions that go along with this memory or this thing. And for some people, it's one event. It's um, a car accident or um, living through a natural disaster, or it's, you know, it's a singular event. And for some people it's more complicated and it's a childhood of neglect or it's, you know, growing up with a, a parent who was an addiction, um, you know, and so over repeatedly over time, there was this kind of trauma that, that built up um and so the, the processing part of it is kind of figuring out what the negative emotions and thoughts are that go with it and then you know whether we use bilateral stimulation so what that means is like we basically access both parts of our brain which is what kind of circumvents the stuck part so we use like we can use anything from eye movements so a therapist can use their hand a therapist can use a light bar a therapist can use a tappers um we can like whenever we were doing um during covid like we were doing all telehealth the people would do emdr they were using like tapping on their arms um, or on your legs so there's a couple different ways but it's mostly about um finding a way to activate that bilateral process and then the therapist kind of guides you through um pulling up the memory and just processing through it so they use the eye movements and then they stop after 20 seconds and you take a deep breath and you check in and you simply give them an answer to like, what did you notice? The therapist might say, okay, what did you notice? What came up or different versions of that? You might say in a sentence or two, this is what came up. And then you go back in, you do another set of processing. And so you do sets until your, the, just the way that the amount that it disturbs you. So the, on a scale of zero to 10, how disturbing is it? And we want that number to come down until it's a zero or one. So we keep doing sets until that number comes down. And you can do multiple different um, events. You know, we just typically do one at a time. That's where we start. And that's what a session looks like is pulling it up. And we let your brain do the work. We let your body has the capacity to heal itself. We just give it the tools and we guide you through that. Yeah, I remember thinking I was like, that was wild. The way my brain took it from such a traumatic thing to something so peaceful. When we got to the end um, of the session, I was just like, I didn't even know that I was capable of taking that memory from a 10 to a one. That was, it was incredible. Amy, I don't know if you had a similar experience. Well, I, it's interesting because we had a, uh, an act like a hypnotist on recently actually who does, um, past life regression and I had experienced that with her as well and there's something similar to both experiences that was incredibly hard for me and I'm just going to say it because I feel like listeners also have this you know people out there also struggle with this and it's this idea that you trust your brain with whatever comes to your head and so for me, I'm like, is this the right thing? Is this what I'm supposed to say? Like, what is she looking for? What? And in the beginning, I think I did say like, is this what you mean? Is this what you want me to say? Like, I don't know. And, but that was the hardest part besides the emotions was, you know, the question, the answers to the questions, because what came up, well, 
I don't know what's the right thing to say. Like, I don't know. And so trusting that whatever comes to your head is the right thing to say, I guess. My advice to anyone out there who wants to try this is just go with it. And then sometimes I say, I don't know because I really don't know. And so sometimes I trust myself and I go with it. And sometimes in my mind just is blank and, and that's okay. And it doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it if that's hard for you. And that's really hard when you want to be right all the time. She was using air quotes, people around right. <laughs> I don't know what the right answer is. And so it makes me nervous to say something, but that's not the idea of this like that's not the idea of therapy in general but you have to really just go with it and trust your uh that your brain's bringing up what it is supposed to and that's hard especially when you have i mean depending on what your circumstances are but for a lot of people their brain has learned to protect them from itself right and that's what our brain is functioning as is it's protect it protects you um it's a it's amazing how we don't think about it like that but i think once i started looking at it through the lens of our brain is amazing and it's it really is trying to protect us and keep us safe. And you know, it's why people go into shock, you know, because your brain is like, whoop, but shut it off. Like, <laughs> don't let them feel this. Not yet. <laughs> you know, and so what you're talking about is giving your brain permission to do its thing without the protective part of it. Keep continuing to jump in and be like, nope, don't go there. Don't go there. It's not going to hurt you. All right. And so like, we have to kind of keep working with it and be gentle with ourselves and remind ourselves that like, here's a safe place. Here's a place where I can do this and see what comes up and trust that it's doing its job. Thank you for explaining that to us because, and to our listeners, because it's becoming wildly popular. <laughs> and I think that's because a lot of people are feeling such success with it and are feeling so much better after experiencing it. So the words getting around, maybe that'll help with breaking the stigma around going to a therapist and help people feel more comfortable reaching out. Yeah. And what I, one more thing I want to say about EMDR that I think a lot of people will really like is that it doesn't require you. So there's, um, I know Amy, you had said something about wanting to hear more about different trauma therapies. And one of them is narrative therapy. And a lot of people don't want to down the rabbit hole of trauma because they don't want to relive something terrible. I mean, duh, why would you want to relive something terrible? And what I like about EMDR is it doesn't require you to totally relive it. One of the things that we do with bilateral stimulation is we kind of keep one foot in the present while we're still exploring the past. And so it's it, it allows people to not feel like they have to like tell me every teeny tiny detail of the thing that happened or the things that are bothering them. They can, they're doing it themselves. And so I'm just there, like I said, as a guide. And so you don't have to go through every single piece of it. You go, like you said, Amy, like kind of where your brain like, needs itself to go so that it can heal but that doesn't necessarily mean reliving the entire it is like an in and out know. in and out and like it brings you back to the present moment which mm -hmm. is so important so you don't get lost back in that time frame so okay now i'm curious what is narrative therapy like do i tell you the whole story from beginning to end with all the details or do you want me to write it down <laughs> i don't know what is it <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit more. Yeah, it, it is. It's narrative therapy is really like telling the story and then re kind of giving yourself an opportunity to rewrite it. I mean, you chunk it, you go piece by piece. But yeah, you tell your story. You look at the places where you want to revise or rewrite and um, work with the therapist on kind of shifting that around. But yeah, it is a little bit more of a pull it all out, lay it out on the table, and then let's figure out how to tell the story. From a therapist standpoint, how do you decide which moment it is 
to do or at least to start with EMDR? Yeah. So usually I'm going to make the, like the recommendations, like my suggestion is I've been training this. I, I know how to use this tool. Are you interested in it? Here's how it works and here's how it will feel and kind of going through people, going through that with people. It is typically my go-to with trauma. I find it to be like the most effective and the quickest at getting to the root of and of healing and and figuring out how to help people move through what they're stuck on um so so yeah i usually will recommend it and if somebody's like oh like no i don't that's not for me you can look at other options you're trained to kind of tune into patterns that people aren't tuning into okay and so you'll notice like oh i i've noticed that this keeps going back to this mm-hmm. this belief about yourself or this like need that's not being fulfilled and like I'm just curious about like where it's coming from and it sounds like maybe this is a direction that we could go with this our brains love patterns it's true (laughs) we just got to find the more positive ones it's what we're trying to do when you were talking about narrative therapy it made me think of this thing I used to do with my kids when they would have a bad dream and I had one of my kids had a recurring nightmare about this vampire that kept coming in to bite them and so we drew the vampire I was like okay what does he look like and we drew and she's like yeah that's what that's what he looks like that's what his teeth look like and then we I was like all right now let's make him silly and so we like put boogers coming out of his nose and like gave him an eyebrow ring and like gave him a mohawk and like just changed anything that she wanted to do to his face to change the way he looked so that he was silly then and not scary anymore I was like, oh, that's kind of a, I've never heard of narrative therapy. And that, that would be like the adult way of, I guess, addressing your trauma. But maybe Maybe I could writing it, draw my um, traumas and try to make. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there is art therapy. So a lot of people use art therapy. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. I was just imagining putting like boogers coming out of my dad's nose or something. That's just not cool. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it is funny that you say that because that was the new belief I had about this particular situation is I thought it was fucking hilarious. After your EMDR, you mean? This horrible thing that happened to me. Yeah. I was like, that's, that's funny. Like, that's really funny. And then there were all these reasons why it was funny that had nothing to do with me, like on them. But I mean, it is. So it's funny that you say like making the vampire silly because it's, you just, you create this like bigger monster in your brain and really they're just ridiculous so as we all know getting in to see a therapist right now is really really tough so even though there's a stigma everybody wants to go everybody wants to go (laughs) so i don't know so i think recently we were talking to someone and he had expressed to us that he initially you know before had thought that therapy was for people who were weak and there was a second person on that same day that said the same thing now I don't know if this is coincidence or not, but they were both men. And so I think that that has, you know, a lot to do with it. There is a much bigger stigma for men approaching therapy than there is for women. However, it was just shocking to me that in 2023, that that word is still being associated with therapy. With that that being said, said. (laughs) everybody still (laughs) wants to go to therapy because everybody's full. So do you have recommendations for people who are really seeking, trying, and not having success right now? What can they do to, to further their journey without feeling so defeated? Using the tool, like so Psychology Today is a good website where you you can pull up a lot of names of people that have, and a lot of times on there, I'll tell you if they have openings. Um, talking to other people who you know are in therapy, um, reaching out to your PCP or your child's pediatrician, those are 
are good resources. And then as you're on your search, be persistent. Keep calling places, email, call and email. Broaden your availability if you can. I know that, you know, work and life and things um, make that hard sometimes. But, you know, even if it's for a short period of time, see if there's a way for you to like broaden that availability, Um, either the days or the times that you can see somebody. Try something that you might you know, if you typically see a, um, are used to seeing a woman therapist, you know, maybe be open to seeing a, a male, you know, or um, if you're not sure how that would go, you know, give it a try. Being open and looking at all the options is one strategy. And then, like I said, being persistent, you know, and if you're struggling with keeping up with it, you know, get the help of your friends, get the help of your partner, get the help of other people that might be willing to sit with you and and call, take a you know, a Thursday afternoon and just, we're just going to email and we're going to call the places and we're going to see what we can, what we can come up with. Those are really good. Get on wait lists. They, Mm -hmm. they work like get Get on on the wait list, list. even though it seems defeating, just do it, get on it. And we were talking before we started recording. And so your partner, your friends can't make the appointment, but they can help do the legwork and that in a, you know, if it's not just a regular situation and you're really, really depressed and you're really having a hard time, um, that can be really difficult. I guess my other piece of advice from someone who has depression is like, don't wait until you're in it, you know, get the therapist when you're doing okay, because that way there's like a little bit more leeway of like waiting and then you can test out different people. And then you have somebody for when it gets really, really hard. Yeah, the sooner the better and get a yes. Mm-hmm. Getting on those wait lists because, you know, our practice, we just hired somebody new and we were able to take several people off of our, our wait list. And that's kind of where we where we start. Do you have any other suggestions in terms of self-care and things that you would want to recommend for people to do while they're still trying to find a therapist? So things they can kind of do at home. <clears throat> I think one of the first things I always look at is, it's, it sounds so simple, but like I said before, it's sleep hygiene. You know, what does your evening routine look like? How are you How are you prioritizing your rest? Like I said before, you know, our sleep is when our bodies rest, but also part of our body is our brains, and our brains have an opportunity to, to work through things. Um, you know, going off of this bilateral stimulation is move. If um, a lot of people will talk, will be surprised because they'll talk about like, you know, I was able to get my significant other to talk more when we were in the car or when we were walking. Well, that's because you're not kind of, having that face-to-face interaction and you're also moving movement helps us to process things Mm -hmm. and talk about it um find the person or the people who you can trust don't be afraid to talk about it don't be afraid to ask for help and ask for support and you can even say i'm not asking for you to solve this for me but i just need you to sit with me while i go through this um if i'm having a rough time i need somebody to sit on the phone with me or come physically sit with me or get me out of the house. Paying attention to what your body's telling you that it needs can be really, really helpful. Those are great. Those are excellent points because I think, you know, I'm glad that you said movement and not yoga, even though we're both yoga teachers. <laughs> like if one more person tells me to do yoga. It's just one of our jokes that <laughs> we made. It's just one of our jokes, people... yeah. <laughs> Have you tried but yoga? Like walking... <laughs> I think walking solves all of the world's problems, whether it just be for the movement's sake or for the fact that your legs are going like that bilateral, right? And so are your arms. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you two of my other tricks. So, um, and they're all on, on a similar, yes. yeah, they're on, on a similar vein is, um, and this works well for me because I, I hate shoes, but we can find ourselves, we can get particularly grounded and we can, there's a lot of healing and like 
standing in the grass with no shoes on and it's not winter anymore so you know even if it's for five minutes so if you're just really struggling and you if you can just walk out the door put your bare feet on the grass and just stand there two minutes three minutes something get yourself outside whether i know it's you know we're in pittsburgh but you know it's so it's not always sunny but just being you know having your body connected to the earth is really helpful and the other thing is if you really are struggling to even like get out of the house we can simulate that bilateral movement by tapping our feet back and forth so um and you can't really see what i'm doing but like just kind of almost like stepping but while you're seated and breathe mm. and it will maybe likely have a, a pretty calming effect it's kind of simulating the same thing as like as walking or that that movement it's not the same but it's if it's if you're just really like i can't i can't do more than just sit here like we'll just back and forth feet back and forth and breathe and through your nose out through your mouth it's not going to solve all the problems but it might help to get through a difficult moment i love those tips that's so great i'm a geek for like the science behind things <laughs> and so i recently learned the science behind the besides it being the energy of mother earth and all of the goodness of taking your shoes off and getting in the grass and the ground is that you're allowed you're allowing yourself to absorb the electrons which make your red blood cells be able to separate mm -hmm. and move through your body faster which increases your oxygen reduces inflammation and makes you feel more relaxed and energized it's like wild i was like oh my like all of that from just standing in the grass with no shoes on it's just amazing i love it you are a very seasoned therapist you've been doing this for a while and um, skilled so i'm sure you have all of the routines and the tricks to do do you find yourself though ever being overwhelmed with like secondary trauma and how do you process through that and and what do you do to help yourself i just find it interesting and overwhelming to think about spending an entire day let alone your career <laughs> Absorbing, I guess you don't absorb it, but listening to other people's traumatic experiences, especially since you're a trauma therapist. Yeah, I mean, certainly there are days that are much more difficult than others, that are much harder than others. For some reason, it seems to all happen at once that you'll have a day or two where it's like everybody's got something big going on, and that can be pretty heavy. The first part of it is relying on your training, right? So reminding myself of like, you know, what I'm trained to do, you know, I have found good ways to be able to you know, not compartmentalize as much as kind of hold space for the things that don't belong to me and know where to put those. And then on, on the more difficult days, it's, I mean, I use some of my EMDR tips and the trick that the resources that I use, I'll use the, you know, the bilateral stimulation and walking. Like I, I really do. I, I suggest that because it's what I do, right? Is even if it's for five minutes, you know, just walking around a parking lot or walking up and down my driveway, whatever it is, sometimes that just kind of helps to work through it. Old school, like turn on music, dance party in the car, you know, just trying to like allow myself to shift from the work day. But yeah, it, it gets, it can get overwhelming. And I really look at it and I try to remind myself that I look at it as an honor. You know, when you're talking about people still thinking that there's weakness in therapy that like hurts my heart because I like I am, day in and day out amazed at the strength of people that come in and are willing to open up and share and talk about the hardest stuff. Um, and so I really do continue to remind myself that it's an honor to have people come in and talk to me about their lives um, in whatever capacity that it is. That is such a beautiful way to explain what you do. 
That makes my heart very happy. <laughs> I hope all therapists feel the same way. <laughs> I hope so. Thank you so much, Heather, for coming on and talking to us about therapy in general, EMDR, and also those tips at the end that I think anyone can do right now, and then tips on how to find a therapist. I mean, this is this is a lot of information that I think is going to be so helpful to every one of our listeners. So thank you so much for joining us and taking the time out of your day. Absolutely. We covered a lot. We sure did. <laughs> did. We sure but did. I could talk about this stuff all day long. So yeah, anytime. Our hour is up. <laughs> we have to wait till next oh. week. No, but I think this is really great for Mental Health Awareness Month. I hope that um, our listeners are able to glean a lot of good information and tips from this. Thank you all for joining us again for another week. We hope that you were able to take away just as much as we were from this episode. And don't forget to stay wild and weird warriors. We love you. This episode was brought to you by Sarah Simone and Amy Baumgartner. Theme song and other music provided by Epidemic Sound. All episodes are mixed, mastered, and produced by me, Sarah Simone. To help us keep making episodes just like this one, consider supporting us on patreon.com slash unqualifiedtherapistsinc. Or share us with a friend, relative, coworker, hairstylist, butcher, baker, candlestick maker. Sharing us not only helps keep the mics on, but it furthers our mission in removing the stigma. If you have a mental health journey you'd like to share, email us at unqualifiedtherapists at gmail.com or reach out to us on our website, www.unqualifiedtherapists.com. Until next time, hold on, warrior. We're gonna make it. We are-